Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. So I think, you know, that's part of being an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur is I think the foundation of having that resilience and the ability to be able to pivot and not feel like you just have to, you know, you might have this course that you think you're going to do, but nine times out of 10, that's not the way it's going to be. Everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is the founder of Coco Teak, Dana Hill Robinson. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Dana Hill Robinson is an author and founder with two companies under her belt. She began her career in the fashion and entertainment industry over 25 years ago. Before launching Coco Teak in 2013, she founded Divine Marketing Group, a boutique PR agency specializing in fashion, jewelry, beauty, and lifestyle brands. She's honored to have been included on the list of Hello Beautiful's 15 Black Women Changing the Beauty Industry, and Refinery29's list of eight entrepreneurs who are diversifying the beauty biz. Additionally, she was featured in $50 Billion Boss, African-American Women Sharing Stories of Success in Entrepreneurship and Leadership by Kathy Porter and Andrea Hoffman. She contributed by writing Chapter 5, Adding Value, Building Mutually Beneficial Strategic Partnerships. The book was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work. A consummate beauty product and health wellness junkie, Dana's obsessed with discovering the best beauty products for women of color that not only suit their specific needs, but also have healthy ingredients. Dana, welcome to Business of the Bead. I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's such an honor and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's just such a time coming and we're going to have so much fun. And I just have to tell you, your skin is gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I actually have been testing some new formulations for a new skincare brand I'm working on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's all it is, but (laughs) thank you. Thank you. I tell you, it's, it's, you know, one of those things like I just turned, well, I turned 57 at the end of last year and it's just mind blowing to think that I'm like a few years away from 60. So my goal is to like maintain this (laughs) just, you know, just, you know, continue to drink from the fountain of youth. So that's, that's my goal. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, you are doing a phenomenal job. When you said that, I was just like, oh, you are my dream boat inspiration. I need to know everything. And you casually were just like, oh, I've been trying formulation. So we are going to have to hear more about that because you can't just drop that on this type of a show and we just casually gloss. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just had to like, just put that little tidbit in there so we could, you know, expand upon it a little bit more. (laughs) I'm glad you did. We are here for all the tea. And Dana, your graciousness of sharing your age, because one of the things I I have really been talking to people about is this notion of like ageless and all an anti-aging and all these different things. And it's like, you guys, this is about pro-aging. If we're not aging forward, then we're actually not here. And so much, there's so much to be said about how we age and, you know, the cliches of aging gracefully, but there's so much goodness when we think about aging and we think about the fact that you can be so successful in your career and now be talking about starting something else. And so thank you for opening and sharing that. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, for me, you know, it's all about, you know, having that transparency for people who, you know, may think that, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, be open with your age. I have no problem. I'm proud to be closer to 58 than 57 now. And, you know, I want people to see that. So yeah, I believe in pro-aging. For me, I think a lot of aging that can happen is from, you know, just being a, a bitter person. Like for me, it's just about being kind. It's about being happy and just having joy surrounding my life with joy and happiness. And I think that keeps me young and keeps me, you know, my skin, you know, trying to keep the wrinkles away. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, definitely that's, that's, if you want to ask what my secret is, that that's one of my secrets. Well, and I do want to ask you because I love it. It's so much more than just the products. It's the holistic lifestyle, like the joy that we have, how we treat others. And because we kind of jumped right into this notion of age, I want you to kind of think back for these past 57 years and what's been a defining moment for you? Because I do want to talk about all the amazing things that you've done, but I'm kind of like going to the end and bringing it back. But what's been a defining moment for you? Well, I think one of the defining moments for me is being able to restart my career after surviving an abusive relationship, which really broke me and brought me to a point in my life where I didn't think I was going to be able to go on. And from that you know, just having that, I've always been a resilient person. You know, I've always been tenacious. I've always, you know, been a go-getter, but that really, you know, broke me to my core. So, you know, being able to have the strength to, I had moved to another state, pretty much, you know, had given up a lot of things to live a life that I thought was going to to live a married life. I wasn't married, I was engaged, but to, um, you know, really start my life, have children and all of, all of those things. And I was old, I was older, I was, you know, 40 when I did that. So, you know, at that age, you in your mind, you really don't have much time, you know, you were only born, you know, with a certain amount of time to have children. And so, you know, I really put up with a lot of things because of that. But, you know, it came to a point where I no longer could, it, you know, wasn't going to serve me or my health well to continue in that place. And yeah, so I basically, I came back to New York and had to restart. And for me, that was a defining moment because it really showed me that, uh, you know, if you have the perseverance, you know, you, and just have that resilience that you can get over anything. And here I am now where <laughs> I would say it was 14 years ago, actually. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, especially with social media, they think that, you know, everything comes easy and everyone has a, you know, an easy life and it's just not true. And, you know, I have been through a lot, not just that, just, you know, even as a child being taken from my mother at a young age. And I think I, I know that I get my resilience from her and she's my true inspiration. She is the one who, who put this love of beauty just from, you know, watching her and um, she's from Indonesia. So she had all these different oils and all of these different things. So that really inspired my love of beauty. And, you know, I think her resilience passed on to me and my DNA and helped me to be a stronger person. Wow. I know that's a lot. I, that's, that's a lot. I just said. I know, it was a lot. I was like, well, well, goodness, Gina, thank you. But you were just, you're so transparent. And from the beginning of this conversation, you've really exposed yourself. And so there are hard topics to talk about mm -hmm. and going through it and then getting to the other side and saying the fact that I'm here and the fact that I can restart because there's so many people who are looking for a way to restart mm -hmm. and can't necessarily find it within themselves. And so whenever we have your voice and other people's voice, it does give us this notion that like, we're going to be okay. It may be hard. It may not be what we envisioned, as you said, having to restart and build a family, but there's this light that we can strive for and that we can get to. So I appreciate you talking about it and really honing in on the resilience because life happens and life happens to everybody at varying degrees that we have to be resilient. 
Absolutely. And I think that resilience has also helped me in building my business. Because as you know, you're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows, but it's about, you know, having your goals and in, in, in keeping that in that end result or that finish line in sight. And no matter what, you're not giving up. Um, yes, you're going to have those moments. It's not always going to be easy, you know, and it's, it's about learning to learn when you're in those valleys, you know, and to, for me, it's always been, been about, you have, sometimes you just have to make a pivot quickly. You know, you always have to have that plan B, plan C, because things are not always going to go, you know, as you expect it. And you can't let that deter you from you reaching your goal. And so I'm always in the back of my mind thinking, having that plan B, plan C ready if I need to put those steps into place. So I think, you know, that's part of being an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur is I think the foundation of having that resilience Mm -hmm. and the ability to be able to pivot and not feel like you just have to, you know, you might have this course that you think you're going to do, but nine times out of 10, that's not the way it's going to be, you know? So it's about, you know, and being and trusting in yourself as well. And uh, so for me, you know, that, again, I'll, I'll just keep saying this resilience because I, that's what keeps me going every day. And there is this notion of being able to pivot, right? Because mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, and I love how you said entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, because we can't say stagnant, like, I think about even my first company, Digital Brand Architects in 2010, and what a lesson, because we started as one of the first agencies to manage bloggers. Mm -hmm. And then there was a thing called Instagram, and then a thing called Pinterest. And it was like, now we represent power pinners. And even at the point of when it was time for me to leave and one of my friends saying, it's okay to outgrow something that you've created, and it's Mm -hmm. okay to make different stops along your career. And when I think about your career, fashion, entertainment, you know, being an editor, going into (laughs) marketing, we've got Rockaware, we've got Arista Records. Like, I just, I I can't wait to hear because you have been through so many pivots of the entertainment and the fashion and beauty industry, and then Mm -hmm. to be on the other side. So Dana, drop some history, some information, some knowledge. We want the goodies. But talk about the pivots in your career over the last 25 years in the industry. Okay. So I'll start from the very, very, very beginning. So, you know, my first love is fashion. I knew that I wanted to work in the fashion industry since I was, uh, you know, I'd say we'll say high school. In my yearbook, you know, I wrote, I'm going to go to New York and work in the fashion industry. I knew that was what I was going to do. So I went to New York and while going to college, so one of my, you know, part-time jobs working um, while I was in college, I worked uh, at Calvin Klein at 205 West 39th Street. (laughs) And I was a receptionist on the designer's floor. And on that floor also was the PR department. Um, so it was PR design and Calvin Klein's, you know, personal office. And so, you know, I'm the type that, you know, I'll chip in and do whatever needs to be done. So I did a lot more than just answer that phone. <laughs> so I'm putting the press <laughs> kits and, you know, whatever needed to be done, assisting, you know, Calvin's assistant and just, you know, I just, I love the whole atmosphere. That was just a great opportunity to work in an environment, you know, with, you know, a successful designer and just to, you know, to be able to absorb just being in that atmosphere and meeting those people. And again, like I'll, I'll, whatever, whatever needs to get done, I'll do it. And that was, that's always been how my motto. And also, also during that time too, I worked as a, um, there was a uh, designer at the time, Giorgio Di Sant'Angelo, who's passed away, but he was a big designer at the time, really big in the 70s. And I was a house model for um, Georgia de Sant'Angelo while I was in college. And like one, I remember one day they were, Vogue magazine was coming to the showroom to do a shoot of the new collection. And somehow, some way, a photo of me, <laughs> little old me, wound up in Vogue magazine. <laughs> this was nineteen. I think it was 1987. It was 1987. I still have my father like kept the magazine and I found it, you know, and I, I, I like, covet this magazine still. And so that also was, again, like I, I knew 
back then that, you know, all, although I knew I was doing like some kind of modeling, I knew I wanted to be behind the scenes versus more in front of the camera. So I'll fast forward because there's too many, you know, too much to go all the individual, <laughs> but I wound up in, living in London um, and finished my degree. And one of the designers who worked at Calvin Klein while I was there was now working in Milan with Tom Ford, um, Gucci. This was 1991. And I, he said, you know, you finished school. What do you like? I, I'll just give you kind of like an idea. I used to record, there used to be a TV show called Style with Elsa Clinch that showed all the fashion shows and did all the commentary and talked to designers. I had a whole library of my recordings of Style with Elsa Clinch. <laughs> wow. So I told him I want to work at Vogue. <laughs> I want to work at Vogue magazine. That's what I want to do. And so he said, okay, he reached out to uh, Grace Coddington, who was the head designer at Calvin when I was a receptionist and made the connection. And uh, I was going, I was going to New York um, for a couple of months. And he said, well, when you're there, we'll set something up. And so I went, called, had the interview and six interviews later, my last interview was with Anna Wintour and I got the job. Oh, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I started, um, it was January 4th, 1992. And I tell you, Kendra, it was, I mean, imagine that this was like the pinnacle of, of oh, yes. where you could work. I wasn't even starting off at the time. There was a Mademoiselle magazine, 17 magazine, but, you know, starting off your first job in fashion at Vogue was just I can't even, it's, it's really hard to put it into words. It was so emotional, you know, going to my first fashion shows. It was just everything I had dreamed of while I was in college and, you know, for for some time, quite some time. You manifested and, it. You said it. You said, I want to work at Vogue. And that's also part of my story, Kendra, because I believe in, in manifesting. And where I am right now, I've manifested everything I've manifested. I, I don't want to jump around too much, but even a friend of mine, she'll tell you in 2012 that I'm going to start Coco Teak. It was a, a dinner, New Year's Eve. We all got together, a group of friends of mine. We went to church later and I this I told them, this is my next thing. I'm going to start Coco Teak and the whole idea. And wow. it took about a year and a half, but did that as well. But yeah, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. But yes, I believe... Um, and also like the alchemist is one of my favorite books. Yes. So I believe mm-hmm. that the world conspires. You put that out there, you put your, your intentions out there. Of course, you're going to work for that as well, yes. but the world and the universe will conspire to help you achieve those goals. And so, yes, yeah, so I, I worked at, uh, Vogue magazine and then I worked at Harper's Bazaar magazine, assisted the fashion director and, I remember going to a, um, it was a cruise, a cruise show for Chanel. I still have my invitation in, you know, shooting with photographers like uh, Peter Lindbergh and Patrick Demarchier and, you know, being on set and working with Francois Nars and these, it was just, I, I still, I'm getting goosebumps right now <laughs> thinking about it, you know, being on set. It was, it was amazing. amazing. It was an amazing, amazing time in my life. But, you know, we talk about pivot. Uh, I, I, after some time, I, you know, I just, I felt like I love fashion. I really love fashion, but I wanted something more substantial. I said, you know what, this is, I didn't want to be like that editor where it's all about what bag I'm carrying and this and that. I just, I wanted more. And so one of the things that I had loved in, in college, I, I took some law courses and, and loved it. I love research. I, I love, like, I will, you know, I question everything. Like my husband, he just, sometimes he's like, oh my God, can we just not with all the questions? <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> my father was the same way. Cause I was just I naturally curious, just naturally curious. And so my thought then was, you know what, I want to go to law school. And so I started studying. I I left Bazaar. I was still freelancing, doing some freelance styling. Um, and at the time I was just studying for my LSATs. But then um, Russell Simmons asked me to come and work for him for Fat Farm. And at the time I, I'm like, okay, I, I didn't, I had never done PR or marketing, but I knew a lot of people in the industry. And you, you were know, on the other that, side of it. I was on the other side. In media. 
I wasn't the typical hip hop girl <laughs> at all, <laughs> <laughs> but I got the job. <laughs> and so I started working for Fat Farm at the time. We were just a handful of people. Um, this was in 1994. So it was two years in to Fat Farm. And my job, of course, you know, PR marketing is to, you know, get exposure for the brand. And one of the things that Russell was very adamant was about was um, taking Fat Farm to the mainstream and not making it just a hip hop brand, you know. So that was my goal. And one of the reasons I love L.A. so much is I used to go out to L.A. a lot to meet with um, all the different costume designers to get Fat Farm on TV. And that was before, you know, all of the the strict rules where you can't show logos and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were able to get Fat Farm on just pretty much everything and every show, everybody, all the Black shows at the time. That was kind of a new, um, that whole product placement thing was very new at the time. Exactly. That Very, was the start of it. That was the start of it. product placement. Yes. So, um, and I loved it. You know, I loved it. And so then we started to um, move into, hey, we're going to do a fashion show. <laughs> and <laughs> so we, um, the first fashion show we did um, was on 7th on 6th. And I remember saying to Russell that, you know, it's kind of boring just having like these men walking down the runway in baggy clothes. We got to do something to, you know, make it a little bit more sexy. And and so we decided we had like baby fat T-shirts at the time and but we didn't have a full line. So what I did was work with a designer, brought in like some of my favorite pieces and said, hey, let's just, you know, let's make these pieces and you'll be baby fat and, you know, we'll have a line. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. That's what we did. And so, you know, we got written up in um, WWD and it was, it was just, for me, it was just so much fun to be able to be there in the very beginning stages and to be a part of that, um, which led to us getting the license to actually produce a real baby fat line. (laughs) Yes, That's, you know, we need, you know, I go from behind the scenes. I'm still behind the scenes, but now I'm, you know, pitching the line to magazines and, you know, all of that. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, I worked with Russell for almost seven years and company grew from a $3 million company to like a $150 million company while I was there. And, you know, many more people, you know, moved offices twice and, you know, just, it was amazing to see, and I think this also instilled within me the uh, the tools that I need to be an entrepreneur because we were yes. such a small company and I was doing all the job, like everything that needed to get done. Like no job was ever too big or too small. Yeah, I worked for, um, in that position for like seven years um, and I actually got headhunted to go to Arista Records to work in artist development. And I was surprised. I, it wasn't something I thought about doing, but I thought it, it sounded really interesting. I love music. That was another one of my love, always love music. <laughs> and so I ended up taking the job and went to Arista. And I remember uh, Russell said to me, you're, you're, you're too nice to work in the music industry. You know, it's not for you. And I, 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 still, I wanted to try, but I will say he was right. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, thank you, Russell. <laughs> hey, yeah, he was. It really wasn't for me. <laughs> and so I actually left when Clive Davis left and L.A. Reed came into Arista and got bought out of my contract. And so my next move after that, um, I reached out to um, Damon Dash at Rockaware and they were doing well, but I, I thought that I could just help them, you know, in terms of marketing and you know, helping that company grow. I worked with him for two, two and a half, three years. And so with that, that was amazing. It was a, a, an amazing time in the, the urban fashion world where, you know, you had big budgets, you could do big things. And so all the parties, <laughs> all, the parties all the parties, all the parties. So we were doing, we did a, a photo shoot in Paris, <laughs> which people couldn't even understand. Like, why are you shooting in Paris? I'm like, 
because this is what we're doing here at Rock Aware. And so we did this amazing shoot. We were shooting on the Eiffel Tower, on the Seine. No one had done that in the urban fashion world. And so I remember we were doing a launch party to release the advertising campaign. So I thought about, you know, what could we do? So I said, you know what? We had the party at the Metropolitan Pavilion and I had someone come in and and transform the room into this kind of Parisian, you know, last tango in Paris inspired event. And those were kind of the things I like, like doing things that were just different that no one else was doing, you know, but it was covered by MTV news. We had all the press there and it was just, it was amazing. And that was just for me, a pivotal moment um, in time in my career. And then I'll say my next step, I worked for Eve when she launched her clothing line. Uh And um, so that as well was an amazing time, you know, working on the photo shoots, you know, just coming up with the ideas for the photo shoots. We had the windows of Macy's all along 34th Street for the the launch event when we um, when the, the brand launched in Macy's. So these are just some I'm telling you, all these are some of my experiences um, that I've had prior to, to Coco Teak that kind of just really instilled in my, my work ethic, um, Mm -hmm. creativity. I've always been the type of person that I know that if I put my head to it, my head to it, and I just stick to it, it's going to get done because I don't take no for an answer. And so, you know, I launched my own after fetish. I began consulting with companies, jewelry companies, beauty companies, um, doing PR and marketing, um, lingerie, worked for a lingerie company. And in between that time was when I had moved away for three years. I'm kind of going in and out because it's hard to tell like everything in a coaching. No, I love it because the, what I love about this is that, you know, we're in this culture of like, I want it now. I want to start this friends and I haven't necessarily had any experience. And so I really appreciate because when you think about the way that culture was shaped, you mm-hmm. were right there. You know, we talk about fat farm and baby fat. I remember going to the first baby fat fashion shows and fetish and all of these different companies and brands that were so much more than brands. They were lifestyle yes. and your ability to come in and say like, not only am I manifesting a new place for myself, but I'm bringing my full self and my ideas and creating these amazing experiences that people weren't even thinking about. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so excited and why I was at, was saying it that way, because, you know, we look at where the media industry is today and Vogue is still there. It may have taken a different shape or form, but for people to hear that you set with Anna Wintour, especially that early in your career, because those are the pivotal moments that we all look to. And you've been able to be at these companies, to leave a name for yourself. And then to your point, to reset. Like you could have been like, those are the best days. I've worked at the top brands. They all made it, they all sold. And so I love the way that you talk about the pivot of it. And even when you think about the lessons and the learning and the tenacity to then say, I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to bottle it up into something that I've now created that is my whole self. So thank you for sharing all of that, because I think that the history that you have is so profound. When I talk to so many people who are just at the cusp of coming out and starting and don't even know how big and great the experiences can be. So pick us back up um, in terms of going through these experiences and then saying self-care, this is about me. Let me now start my own brand. Sure. So self-care, you know, pampering was definitely one of the key um, ways that I've been able to get through certain low moments in my life, you know, just, you know, there's the little things, you know, just taking a bubble bath, just taking that time to, to pamper yourself. It doesn't even have to be, you know, spending a lot of money and going to a spa. It's just what you do um, within your own, within your own home. And so I think that, you know, when I started Coco Teak, well, one of the reasons, actually, one of the key, key reasons I started Coco Teak um, was, I've always been, (laughs) 
the 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 beauty product hoarder. <laughs> like I don't I won't hoarder. I won't just go and buy, oh, you know, let me try that moisturizer. I want to know, well, what else goes with that moisturizer? I want the whole line, you know? I was using, I remember, um, oh my goodness, this is back in the day when I was, I must have been what, 20. Three twenty-four. I was living in London, and you know, I was using at the time like Declior. I don't even did it have it's a French brand like yes. oils. They had all these oils and potions, and like I just and I love just the whole idea of it. I was going to get, you know, they had what they were these facials. They were called Catiodermy facials, which now it's the the the, the um oh what do you call it like the when you're using the um the new face the. Uh, oh yes, microcurrent. The mi- mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So yeah, I was doing these microcurrent facials at like twenty three, and you know, <laughs> it's I love it. Just ridiculous. You were so sophisticated. You're like, I I know all of this, and I want it all. <laughs> well, I was. It's so funny. My grandmother used to tell me, tell I was like a little old lady because. I was always, you know, my mother told me at two years old, I'm dressing myself. I can do it myself. I know what I want. I'm just always, that's just, it's just within me. I was just born that way. (laughs) I love that story because for someone who manifests things, like it makes so much sense that you would be dressing yourself at that age and saying like, I can do it. I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I think it also makes sense to I'm going to use overindulgent air quotes, but to overindulge in self-care and the things that you really liked, because I think that when you think about Coco Teak, and I'll let you tell the story because as I'm putting the pieces together, I'm like, of course you created this amazing luxurious box that has so many different things in it that are so what we need. Because you were always like, you called yourself a hoarder. I am not. But if you think about that mentality of trying things and wanting things and then being able to serve that to all of us, Mm -hmm. it was always your path and your manifesting destiny to kind of create something that had so many goodies in it. Absolutely. And I was always the friend, family member who's, you know, people are calling you, what should I get? What product is going to work for this? And what do you think I should use? And I'm always recommending products. And so when the whole, um, you know, when the subscription craze started, I subscribed, of course, to like a lot of different boxes and they were wonderful. They were like great products, discovered new things. But, you know, I felt a little left out in that the products weren't being curated for us. They weren't being curated for black and brown women. And that's when a light bulb went off in my head. And I saw this opportunity to enter the beauty industry without having to work for anybody (laughs) and (laughs) be able to fill this space and do what I love. Like what could be better than just trying new beauty products 24-7. 24-7. That's what I do now anyway. So why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, be able to to help other women discover products. And, and not only that, there I saw it as an opportunity as well to be able to, you know, shine a light on up-and-coming Black-owned beauty businesses and to have a platform where they can share their stories and inspire other people. Because that's what we want to do. You know, at the end of the day... You know, we want to be able to inspire other people to, you know, reach their higher heights. And so, yeah, so that's that's how Coco Teague, that's how it started. And so um, so this was in 2012. It's so all of 2012, just doing my research. And I remember 2013, um, that January of 2013 is when we began to build the website. Um, and I found someone to build the website. And in 2013 also is when we started doing social media. <laughs> so we actually began to, um, we set up all of the social media accounts before the launch in order to just um, begin to build a buzz uh, for the brand and for Coco Teague and to get that name out there. So we would have what we called our Coco Blogger of the Week. And that blogger would, you know, promote like a giveaway on their um, social fees or their blog to win a uh, subscription to Coco Teak when we launched. And so that was how we started to just getting it out there. And from doing that, one big brand took notice, um, Cover Effects. 
And I met with the vice president of cover effects before we launched. And she said, I love what you're doing. Um, we want to be a part of it. So they were actually came on board as one of our first brand partners. And some of the other brand partners that launched in that first box were from some people that I already knew, you mm-hmm. know, in the industry. And when you talk about, you know, full circle and the different pivots that I've made in my life, this is where my PR skills came into effect. Because, you know, as a publicist, you have to be, you know, tenacious because you're always pitching. So I was pitching Cocotique to new brands in order to get their placement in the box. So I spent a large portion, you know, of my time, you know, researching the brands that I wanted to be in the box, you know, reaching out to them. And we had no, we had no, you know, this, we were brand new. So, you know, it was really based on, you know, my interaction with them, um, if they were going to participate in our box and, and, and trust <laughs> us, you know, with their brand. And I have to say, here we are now, we work with over 400 brands and a lot of them um, do repeat participation in the box. And, you know, we have long-term, you know, relationships with them. And crazy enough, this is our 10th year. Wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, so that's, that's how that was the, 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 the beginnings of Coco Teak. And um, she was my baby. And I remember, you know, the first seeing, watching the first unboxing videos, like I literally, it made me cry. You know, because this was like my dream, you know, Mm -hmm. I still have like the drawings I had of, you know, the box and like, I, I I kept all these things. Like when I look back and I think, oh my goodness, look how far we've come, you know? Yeah. And the fact that it's the longevity piece too, you know, the 10 years. And I'm just, I'm so fascinated because you talk about, you know, the skill set of PR and having the bloggers and doing the unboxing. And there's things that have changed, but then there's some things that have stayed the same. We're still talking about unboxing. We're still talking about the power of bloggers turned influencers, turned creators, turned cultural amplifiers, but there's still this ability of using people that have these spheres of influence to help. So when you think about these 10 years, you've gone through a pandemic You've gone through the changes of culture. You've gone through brands that existed that don't exist, all of the new brands coming up. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your staying power, what does that look like for you? And what are some things that you can offer to some of these founders who are maybe trying to figure out what does the next five years look like, the next 10 years, or even the next year to sustain my business? Well, I think um, you really have to look at what's going on in the marketplace. So again, it's all about, you know, researching, um, you know, what are their trends? What, are, what is the direction that um, the beauty business is going in? So, of course, you know, one of the big pathways for me that I've seen growing is e-commerce stores that are specifically speaking to black and brown women. So in answer to that, we just recently launched our marketplace with about 15, 16 brands. For me, that was, you know, it's not just about a subscription box, you know, because I think that for some people, like what I've seen with subscriptions, with the way the economy is going now, they want to pull back on, you know, certain recurring expenses, right? They still want the little luxuries, the, the little beauty luxuries, but they want to, you know, pull back on those, you know, recurring subscriptions. So, you know, it's about, again, okay, we've got to pivot. So what can we do to um, still be successful with the way the economy is going, the way people's shopping habits are going, and also listen to what their needs are and what are they looking for, you know, having that open communication to really understand. So you understand what you need to do to, again, we're going to pivot. So we're launching the marketplace, doing some lower price boxes as well, you know, for people that have a certain price point. Uh, we started doing mystery boxes as a, just a, a way to still capture our customer without any long-term commitment. So, yeah, so it's about listening to your customer, listening to trends in the marketplace and researching and and taking all those things and coming up with a solution that's going to work best for your company. 
And, you know, that's so important because I love how you talked about, you researched, like we can't have blinders to the fact that we have great ideas, but other people have good ideas. So how do we iterate on that? And we have to have a sense of what's already there. And to your point, there was this like big subscription craze and there were so many subscription boxes, so many, and even being able to pivot into where we are now. And I I talked to founders about like, know what's happening in the economy, like know what the overall landscape is. Like there's the supply, there's the demand. But to your point, if we know that people in this recessionary period are looking at what are my reoccurring expenses, like maybe I do want that as a luxury, but not every month. And so I love this. Like now we have this marketplace and we can constantly iterate while still keeping, you know, your great summer box that's coming yes. out and all of these, these different opportunities. And, you know, I also, for you, when you think about, I have the subscription box, I'm getting to do what I love. I now have the marketplace and you hinted earlier about, earlier about skincare you have seen so many different products. Was that the moment where you were like, I've seen so many, I support so many, and now I kind of want to have my own because you have the distribution for it. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's a combination of all of those things. I have been dreaming about creating uh, my own skincare line for a long time. I'm really into ingredients, specifically clean ingredients. You know, I'm all about watching what I put on my skin, watching what I eat. And, you know, again, when we talk about, you know, skincare, it's more than what you're putting on the outside is what you're putting on the inside. Um, and also, you know, your skin is your, your, your biggest organ and anything that you're putting your skin, is going to absorb 80 to 90% into your bloodstream. So you have to be very careful. And so there are a lot of amazing skincare brands and I wanted to you know, put my toe into that pot and see what I can come up with in creating something that's clean, that has specific ingredients that work for my skin. <laughs> and, and of course, also it's an opportunity too, because I'm partnering with one of my amazing best friends in the world. And so it's exciting to work with a, a partner who is well, she's Cynthia Bailey. She looks amazing. Her skin is like, that's her calling card. And so it just, it, it makes sense. I love the idea of women working together, you know, just erase that narrative that, you know, black women can't work together. So I'm excited for that kind of next stage in my, my journey, Um, this long journey of mine. (laughs) (laughs) That is, has no, 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 like vision of stopping. (laughs) It doesn't. And that's why I love the pivots that you've made and to be able to be at this place of such great confidence because you're right. There's other things that exist, but you have such a point of view. You're like passion to profit. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I definitely, it's my passion and my purpose. Like I, I love what I do. You know, I, I, you know, of course, you know, there are days where I'm just, you know, I just oh, want yes. to stay in my bed, but at the end of the day, I love what I do. My um. So I have a little cousin of mine, she just graduated from college and she came over um, the other day to help me shoot some content. That's see, this is that's one area where I need help in because I'm not <laughs> naturally like love to share everything on social media because I'm more yeah. like, man, I'm, you know, there's a I'm I am an introvert. So I it's hard for me to just naturally like just show everything on Instagram. Like I feel <laughs> weird. <laughs> yes. How are you navigating the world of social media, the world of influencers? Like, what does that strategy look like for you? So I found this great platform that basically they provide a whole stable of micro influencers um, that you can send your box to. And you basically you get the content in exchange for the box, which is brilliant. Um that's brilliant. <laughs> because I'm not spending thousands of dollars and I'm getting great UGC from, you know, real people, which is what people want to see. And so that's been great. Um, and that, that doesn't, I still want to work with, you know, bigger influencers and we have, you know, bigger budgets to work, you know, with them. So that's still part of the marketing mix. 
but this just this ordinary UGC with you know real people has been it's kind of really changed the feel of our Instagram feed just getting more of that and so we're relying more on that versus you know using still images and my goal personally is to do a little bit more myself and so that people yes the person behind the brand mind you Kendra I've been saying this for two years but (laughs) (laughs) and you were like I really I really want to be the behind the scenes person, but I throw these amazing events and I like the hostess with the mostest. So now, now you're going to bring it out. But I, you know, I, it's the beauty. It's funny when you talk about your experience with Russell and even being at that place. And I was the first director of digital media at Ralph Lauren and being in the room in these boardrooms with Ralph Lauren, David Lauren, like Mm -hmm. it truly changed my outlook on the opportunity to be an entrepreneur because I didn't even know. And it was through listening to Ralph Lauren that I was like, dang, I'm trying to have a wealth management team. And like, you know, it's all those pieces. And so now when we think about where we are building our companies, like it's such a different time than like the Russells and the Ralphs and people want to see the founder and they want to know your story and they want to know that you wake up at 6am and you have this amazing beauty routine that you do every every day. And they want to hear about you overcoming domestic violence in a positive way of uplifting. Mm -hmm. So I I feel you girl, and I know you'll be there and we'll all be supporting you. (laughs) I just have to figure out for me, I did this 21 days of self-care I posted 21 days straight. I did this in maybe two years ago and it was, I, I loved it, but I just couldn't keep it up. I couldn't keep it up. Yeah. So now, <laughs> so yes. now, and of course now my time is even spread even thinner with a you know, new skincare brand coming, but I do know the necessity of it. And it's one of those things where I have to just get over myself and just do it. So I am just, I'm so excited for you and this restart and this next chapter and what you're, what you've built, what you're continuing to build with Cocotique and then what the future holds with you and skincare, because girl, I'm buying whatever it is you're saying. Um, But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're You're welcome. Thank you so much, Kendra. I just, you inspire me. Uh, Your smile is just so beautiful. I just want to tell you, and I really appreciate you having me on your show. And I look forward to our lives and just growing together. <laughs> in community. And I appreciate that. I know I've been smiling the whole time because I'm like, I, I love it. like in story time. Um, and I can't let you go. And this is going to be a tricky one for you. Okay. I have two things left for you. One, and you have mentioned pivot. You've mentioned resilience, but we're kind of collecting like, what are everyone's words of 2023? So in the midst of all of this, what is your word of 2023? My word of 2023? Faith. That's all you need. That's what gets me through. I'm going to tear up because, you know, it gets me through a lot. Yeah. Faith. It's so powerful. And Without faith, I believe there's just really nothing. So I can feel it and faith. That's our yeah. word. That's that's the faith we have. Yes. And on a on a fun note for you. I'm sorry, I guess <laughs> No, I, I I was just crying. So it's like all the time. <laughs> um, so it's and you know, I think the other thing in terms of like grace for people, we never know what someone is going through. We never know how our words impact other people. And so when we think about the word faith, there's so much that comes from faith and trust and resilience, but it's all rooted in having faith that you're going to be resilient, that things will work out okay. And the faith that at whatever age you are, you can always create something new. And so faith is an amazing and powerful word. I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to make me tear up, but everyone has things going on in their life. Right. And so there are other things going on. (laughs) And so that, that is what's getting me through every day. Yes. Yes. Gotta have faith. We're We're your faith warriors. We are bringing faith to you. We're manifesting it. Um, 
And this last question, you may actually be one of my guests that has the hardest time because you have so many babies. But we always ask, because we are about community, what is one brand that you are coveting, thinking about, that we should support alongside of Coco Teak? Oh, let's see. Oh, my. Kendra. I know. I, that's what I said. I was like, I felt even bad asking you because I was like, hey, you, how about this? Let's make it. I'm going to help you out because you have so many babies and it's like too hard to choose. So we are just going to go with Coco Teak because Coco Teak represents so many amazing brands, black owned brands, founders, and just the whole beautiful world of beauty. So you get a pass. Thank you so much because you know, I can't say that. (laughs) Well, this has just been so fun. I cannot wait for us to be together in person for us to do the live um, and to see what you have coming up. And thank you for, for sharing so graciously. Oh, you're welcome. I, for me, I think that, you know, you really have to just put it all on the table. You know, I don't, I don't have anything to hide because everything that I've, been through has brought me to where I am right now and made me the person that I am right now. So, you know, I'd rather be transparent and let people know that, you know, despite what you may go through life, you can come out successful and happy and in and, and the end. So, you know, don't let anything break you. Just don't let anything break you. Just stay strong and have faith that you're going to get through it. <laughs> And every week I share an influencer, founder, a brand, or product that I'm checking out. And thanks so much to Dana Hill Robinson for being the founder and the creator of Coco Teak. Make sure that you follow at Coco Teak on Instagram and Facebook, love Coco Teak on Twitter, and Coco Teak Beauty Box on TikTok. And as always, I love to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is love what you do. Dana talked about her restart, her pivots, and the passion and purpose that is driving her into her next chapter of creating her new skincare brand. So I leave you with this. How will you ensure that you love what you do? Make sure that no matter what, your passion and your purpose allow you to love what you do, even when the time is hard. And with that, Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, and on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production.